all the things and make you sing and tap your little toes. Oh, oh I want to know. Hi, everybody. This is Chantel Lopez, and welcome to another episode of the Thinking Pilates podcast. I'm here with Deborah Colway. Hi, Deborah. Hello, Chantel. <laughs> We've been on a little bit of a hiatus, and um, interestingly enough, we were just talking about how um, sometimes it's hard when your momentum gets broken, you know, you get off track, that it's incredibly difficult to get back on track, which is something actually that's kind of been happening for us. So we're excited to be um, chatting again, um, but it also is relevant to the topic that we thought we might talk about this time, or at least start talking about, which is, um, we framed it this way, breakdowns and breakthroughs for teachers during their teacher training process. And I think really what we're talking about is um, even beyond the, the, you know, the lecture and the, the um, in-classroom work, but, you know, as you get close to the end and testing and then after you test and what happens when you do go and get your first, you know, teaching job and, you're kind of starting to carve your place out in the community as a teacher. Um, you know, what are the common struggles and where are the places where we do get stuck and we feel like we need more support or we're not getting the support that we need or we are having, you know, a, a breakdown. And in the conversation that Deborah and I have been having so far around this topic it looks a little bit like the momentary breakdown, right, of overwhelm um, in, in any particular situation where we might need to leave the room and collect ourselves or call it a day and come back after having collected ourselves with hopefully um, some more clarity or direction or whatever we need. And then the larger breakdown, um, which could, uh, you know, include a variety of things happening for us in terms of um, personal life, injury, uh, financial, um, just the, the, you know, the weight of the responsibility of what we're doing or the amount of information. I mean, there's all kinds of things that kind of pile up on us. So that's what we're talking about. And, um, you know, the, the end result, I think for me, Deborah, in having this conversation is to Maybe it's a, a possible to tease out some some areas where teachers can be more proactive in supporting themselves and looking for you know mentorship or um, you know people who can just champion them during the process uh, and and to also hear for some from some teachers about you know what they've gone through in their in their process and, um, to share that with the larger community. So, you know, teachers who are in that process now don't feel, um, quite so, uh, disjointed or alone, which I think can happen if you're not involved in, in a, you know, fairly, fully immersed kind of training, like, um, like, you know, you guys offer at the Plotty Center. So, you know, it's really different at all the different points along the way, um, I think the need for, call it mentorship if you want, like, but support and, uh, a pre, like, um, just a help <laughs> is always there at whatever level you are. So there's a, a natural support that is 
there while you're in a training program, even if it might feel like, well, you know, very overwhelming or there's a lot of information and things are coming up in your life. You have the structure. What, what I'm thinking about is you said be proactive. So I thought, oh, well, how at any point along this path do we create structure for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Because what you and I talked about earlier was how, you know, when we get off track and we go several weeks without talking and then we spend so much energy trying to decide what day and time is going to work, um, that is actually draining, you know, yeah. and, and then the thing doesn't happen. So there's something something about structure and that when you're in the training program itself, how does the particulars of the structure of that program help organize you? And then... Um, obviously there's a decent amount of personal responsibility to carry yourself through. Um, but, uh, anyway, I, that's what I'm thinking about is, is what does our structure look like, uh, when we're in the program, when we're finished with the program, when we're in our first year of teaching, our first few years of teaching, because I bet if we were going to have several people that we could talk to you know, just finishing one year out, three years out, five years out, ten years out, there'd be some commonalities. But it'd be real interesting to ask people what looks like support for you. Right. Or what did look like support or in twenty twenty hindsight if you were gonna guide a younger person, you know, what advice might you give? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's um, what I'm thinking about now, as I shared with you um, earlier, really having a distinct memory of a kind of major breakdown that I had during my teacher training and um, about three quarters of the way through. And uh, it wasn't just leave the room, collect yourself and come back kind of breakthrough. It was like a big, big culmination of a lot of things, um, personal uh, and, and then also within the actual you know, program and work that we're really needing to kind of be, um, like decompressed. But I was also thinking that what, even reflecting myself from this vantage point, what do I feel like would have been helpful to me, um, is somebody saying at the beginning, this is going to be tough. Like this is going to be potentially a lot, a lot to handle. Like it's, it's going to be, it's a lot physically, it's a lot intellectually, and it's going to be, it's going to be quite a bit emotionally for some people because, you know, it's like you're working through your own body, which we know, I mean, it's just the container for so much, um, of our experience that it's kind of, you know, impossible to disassociate that from our emotional experiences. Um, it feels a little bit like if somebody would have just said, here are some things that you can do. Here are some tools or suggestions for, you know, how you might consider taking care of yourself or you should consider taking care of yourself in these ways, not just in a physical way or not just in a time accountability kind of way, but, you know, just keep your eye out for these other pieces. I feel a little bit like, hmm, I might actually have done some things differently. And, um, 
so the framework piece uh, that you're talking about makes a lot of, of sense to me in terms of starting, you know, a teacher starting their program, giving them some, um, I, I mean, we give them guidelines. It's not guidelines, but it, I, you know what I'm talking about, I think. Well, we have, it's funny, I didn't think of this earlier, but, you know, the way that we structure the program is there's obviously the lists and the list of exercises, and then there's the parts that you might call the art of teaching. So there's the pedagogy, you know, and then there's the technique aspect and all of that. There's also several points along the way where we have group discussions about that kind of thing. How does how does one take care of oneself? And it's you know, it's lots of fun to sit there and talk about it in the moment it all makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, get enough sleep, make sure you're well hydrated, don't teach too many hours in a row without having a snack. Mm-hmm. You know, um all the different things, like everybody's a little different. Some people are early morning people. Some people, you know, that kind of thing. Some people need frequent breaks during the day. Some people like to power through several hours and then just be done and go home. And, um, you know, some people need to do class notes. That came up recently. One of my newer teachers was telling me how she had her, her, um, uh, her routine, all she had to have it written out every single time, and I thought, "Wow, that's interesting." I haven't thought of doing that in so long, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, people need different things, and I guess what I'm saying is um, why I, I'm laughing a little inside myself is because uh, how much of that do we, when life comes rushing in, and how much of that do we really keep going? I know for myself. Um, I just go hour after hour, even though I know that it's not the healthiest thing. And I never sit down and actually eat lunch. I eat little things in between or whatever it is. But, um, you know, there's so many pieces about that. I know that's not exactly what you're talking about, but uh, maybe just to open up the conversation of what are all the ways that different people actually make this kind of work um, uh, stay healthy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a an exercise that I have the teachers in the mentoring program um, engage in. It's one of the first, um, you know, one of the first things they do kind of as they get started, and that's to um, make a list of all the ways they feel like they could be thrown off track. So to just like take some time to reflect on like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a, you know, over a worker. Like I, I forget to eat. Like I would just rather, I mean, like I'm that mm-hmm. way you're describing that, you know, just plow through and just do it, do it, mm-hmm. do it, do it. And then at the end of the day, mm-hmm. be like, oh, I've got kind of a headache and my <laughs> blood sugar is low, but I have not really taken any time to eat. So you know, just to encourage the students to take a second to go, oh yeah, I know this about myself. I know that, um, you know, I have trouble being on time and that causes issues for me. I know that I have insomnia and that can be a challenge for me. It's like to name a couple of things and to write it down and just yeah. to, to see it and to own it, not as a, not as like a self-deprecating negative, you know, 
kind of thing, but to no, go... No, but to actually realize it has to be brought into the mix. It's actually part of how you're going to... It, it affects you. Yeah, yeah, and... Yeah, and it's part of... And it's like part of knowing yourself the yeah. same way that... It's the awareness piece, Chantil. Yeah. You know, what you're describing is bringing it to the light and bringing, you know, so that it's the awareness piece just like... Oh, I didn't know that I always hyperextend my knees, you know. Right. So, okay, once you bring that into awareness, then there's the potential to have choice. Yes. Around what you want to do about it. Yeah, and ultimately that's the that's the that's kind of the, you know, that's the point is to from that place then be able to come up with a couple of very simple immediately actionable strategies for for, you know, supporting that. I know that I tend to not stop and eat. Like, how can I support myself in that? How can I not let this be something that's going to create dis-ease or discomfort or agitation or exhaustion for myself? It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to make sure that I, you know, uh, go to the grocery store on Sunday nights and buy as much like easily accessible, good, healthy food as possible for the week. And then I'm going to put it all in my car, you know, as long as it's not, it doesn't need to be refrigerated. You know, it's like, that's really simple. It's like, that's something I could really do. And I feel like it is just about being aware and then going, okay, I can, I can also be strategic. I can be uh, and support myself before it's even an issue. And so, you know, that's not, I mean, that's just something so simple that's really left into the students, you know, put into the students' hands. But it is also something, I think, uh, when written down, you know, they get to come back to and go, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that one. But, you know, it's it's becoming a challenge. And Yeah, and I was thinking about the, you know, when you're in a training program, to, I, I don't have a lot of experience with many different ones to ours. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of, of, um, signposts along the way or milestones mm. and you have your meetings with your advisor and, you know, so there's people forget, you know, they read all this material at the beginning and then somehow maybe they forget and to constantly just stay current with you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, like where you're supposed to be vis-a-vis the agreements that you made, the timing of things, and to, I don't know, it's really hard. People get down on themselves so much They when they do get off track or when they do uh, have something come up. I mean, this is really what we're talking about more and more. Like when you, when something comes up and it throws you and you get off track, do you beat yourself up about that? Or do you go to your studio person and say, oh, here, you know, this has happened. You know, get, um, deal with it sooner rather than later so that it doesn't, it doesn't continue and you don't feel like you're getting further and further behind. Yeah. You know, so that you have a touch-in person. Again, I don't know how it all goes in different places, but that the student, um, I don't, you know, you can't wave your magic wand and say, okay, you know, don't take, don't beat yourself up about this. It's just life. It's just reality. Okay. But you do have to take responsibility. And what do you want to do now? Yeah. We're here to support you. And 
there are guidelines, there are parameters for a school, you know, but, but if you come to us and talk to us, we'll give you your options and we can make a choice together. Yeah. I think that that's, that happens on, at a lot of different points. And, um, maybe, you know, the type of person that goes into teaching Pilates is more prone to be kind of like the super, super person mentality and think we can handle everything ourselves and just plow through. And then it's a little, we, maybe we feel a little ashamed of ourselves when we haven't lived up to our own standards. Yeah. So instead of copying to it and going to the people that we're afraid to go talk to and say, this is going on, this is going, this is going on. Um, can you, let's talk about this. What should I do? You know, we just let it go further and further. Yeah. We don't want to talk about it. yeah, I mean, it's all just, I mean, I think right on all the things that I've experienced and, and watched teachers go through, it, it's specifically kind of speaking to the point um, I was thinking about earlier, which was um, that I think oh, having somebody designated to be your advisor or to be your, you know, point person or your mentor, whatever you want to call them. Right. But it's somebody that you very deliberately connected to. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I mean, I see that as such a valuable part of what you are offering, um, you know, and how your program works, but I don't think that that's how it works for a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of programs. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. maybe it's, um, because of, uh, you know, there's just so many people going through the programs. I have people in our mentoring group who have done trainings elsewhere. And one of the reasons they've come to the mentoring program specifically is because after the teacher training, there's nothing else. There's no point person. There's no advocate. There's no advisor. And um, I think that this is something that in this new wave of education and I, you know, I'm not, you know, as you said, I mean, I don't know what's happening in all programs. So I'm not, you know, intentionally making a blanket. I'm not making a blanket criticism by any means, but I do see, I have seen it as, um, maybe something that would be valuable if it were, you know, it existed or flourished a little bit more. It's just having, you know, really feeling like, yeah, Deborah is my go-to person. Like ha- knowing I have somebody that I can build a, more of a personal relationship with, um, mm-hmm. I think it could be. Well, one of the things, helpful. yeah, and then uh, one of the things I just really want to be clear too is that the advisor um, in our program, it's, you know, there's there's boundaries there. I mean, because yeah. the, their job is, it's not really to hold your hands through the program so much as to be someone who's paying attention and and is um, you know there's there's meetings that are set up along the way and like I said there's milestones in the program where you want to be here and then you want to be here and then you want to be here so it's not always that that person is they're not going to coddle you you know right. I mean they're but they're they are a person who is paying attention. And I think that's, again and again, it all has to come back onto the to the student to take responsibility. And if you need, if you need more, then ask for it. 
Um, the other thing, though, a lifeline is to our teacher, whoever she or he happens to be at the time. It can change. And that we just need to keep practicing and and developing who we are inside of this work. I mean, maybe that's oversimplified, right? But, but that's something that's really powerful, and I think not to be, it's not like a yak session or coffee, you know? It's really like, how do we, you, me, the other people in our position, you know, if these people say, my commitment is to learn this work, my commitment is to share this work, my commitment is to do the best I can for the benefit of others, then that's a strong they need to be strong. Yeah. Well, um, yes. And I think going back to what you were saying, clarifying the role of the advisor and how challenging that can be. Um, I want to, I want to talk about that a little bit more because you mentioned commitments and clarifying commitments from the beginning and then the responsibility of the student to adhere to those commitments. But to speak to what you're talking about specifically I think you're right on is that the commitment to learn the work and offer the work um, and be of service in the best way that we can through this offering, one of the primary foundational tools to adhering to that commitment is maintaining our own practice. And I think this is just something that goes beyond, way beyond the teacher training, right? And it's something that I think most teachers struggle with after they leave their teacher training is once they start teaching, they lose the room, they lose the space, maybe they lose the motivation, maybe they lose the curiosity, whatever it is, for continuing to practice. And continuing to practice and anchoring yourself in a relationship with a teacher is so crucial to our our progress and our sanity and our uh, continued commitment and um, and also being in the role of student forever, right? Keeping us in that place of learning and not knowing um, yeah. so that we don't get too guruified, right? <laughs> too too up on a pedestal because I think that happens too when you've been teaching for a while. People love you. You're making them feel better, you know, and then all of a sudden you you forget that learning and being a student yourself is is probably more important than anything else that you can do. Um, so that as a, as well, yeah. And also, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, what I, what I'm thinking is, I mean, to this day I get stumped, right? Yeah. And then I have to, I have to go back to, all right, what are the concepts I'm working with here? What do I know about the body? What do I know about people? And what does what is this person coming to me for? So, um, in the same way that how I continue with my own development is to keep practicing, and that shifts. Obviously, uh, you know you don't have to stick with the same teacher forever. And uh, but that my that really. I need to ask my clients over and over again, remind me what it, what was it that you came for? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Now that's a little off topic, I know, <laughs> but, um, but you know, cause I'm trying to, I'm trying to come back to the breakdown and breakthrough, but you know, I think it, um, I think it'd be really, really great to hear from some people who are a little bit out, a little further out, a little further out and not so much like in 2020 hindsight, what do I wish my training program would have provided for me, but more like I bumped up to this. I bumped up into this. Hang on a second. My cat's freaking out. Um, I hit a wall and now when I look and now, and I'm, you know, however many years out and I remember hitting that wall, but that's in the past now, obviously I made it through. So what do I, what do I know about that now? What, what was that? And um, what did I learn about myself? I guess that's really, you know, since we talked last time, what's interesting and what I would love to have people have a conversation about. Not so much what do I wish they had done for me, but what did I learn about myself? Yeah, I mean, I think that's at the end of the day, that's the end game for me with teaching. That to me is the ultimate value um, for me personally in teaching. Yeah. Is, is and so I think people would be interested to hear from each other. And then they'll, you know, and then they'll, we'll recognize ourselves in each other more some than others, you know? Sure. And, um, and that, I think that's a, a great conversation to have and to encourage us to have with each other, no matter how far out we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And and yeah. I think there's also something to be said about what we can derive what we can derive from those conversations for ourselves, no matter where we are in our work and our teaching, mm-hmm. to 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 be able to look or see more clearly moving forward, right? So because that always happens, right? We hear we hear and exchange stories and we see um as you said, we see ourselves in others or we don't, and we see, we hear something that's a little perplexing to us, and yet we take that with us, and when we do meet it in the future, if we do meet it in the future, we go, oh, that's what she meant. That's what he was talking about. So I think there's that, and for the teachers who are listening to the podcast, who are just starting their journey, I also think the same thing happens, but you know, for them at the beginning of the journey, um, you know, things to take away to just like, ah, to keep, just to keep in the sphere somewhere of attention, um, you know, or, or in their, you know, in the knapsack of like, ah, yes, I remember, I remember I've heard teachers talk about this particular, you know, challenge or, um, you know, experience. And I remember, you know, they said that this was helpful or, Whatever. So, yeah, I mean, definitely the exchange, of course, is always so valuable moving, moving into the future, you know, for any of us, wherever we're starting from. And it also, I mean, given your, um, you know, your note that you sent me and and what you were saying earlier about, um, the advisor and the role of the advisor, not as somebody to kind of lay all of your 
emotional drama. challenges and drama. <laughs> yeah. On, because you know, it, you and I have certainly been, and, and many, many teachers in our role, I think uh, inevitably have come into this situation where the, the lines get blurred and the relationship becomes something that is no longer beneficial to the student. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you were speaking a little bit ago, it made me just realize that there, when we move into some monumental tasks, such as learning to be a teacher, then one of the things I feel like we can do is clarify for ourselves who plays what role in our lives in terms of support, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and yep. from, in terms of taking on the responsibility as the student, the participant, it feels like this could be a very simple and sweet bit of like, ah, here's something that you could do whether you feel like your program provides advisory, you know, people for you or does whatever they do for you. But your responsibility is who will be, who will be my personal champion, right? Who is going to love me and support me and tell me I'm doing a good job. Even when I'm a total wreck, I'm falling apart on the floor. Right? And maybe it's not your teacher. Exactly. Maybe it's your peer group. Maybe it's the other people going through the training program with you. You know, it just makes me think about my, my daughter. You know, yes, of course, she relies on her parents. She's a young woman now. But who she really is chewing on the stuff of her life with are her peers. Yeah. You know? And so um, I've also seen really lovely, lovely things occur with the various groups going through the Pilates Center teacher training program when there's a a small or a larger group that are local and they're all here and how they bond and how they do their study groups together and how they work with each other. And uh, that, that's really lovely, you know, so that the people going through these programs rely on each other. Yeah. Well, it, it, and it's, it is, I think, the the bottom line is perhaps being able to make uh, wise choices about who will fill each role so that you can mm-hmm. be as clear as possible and you can get what you need from the people who are appropriate to give it to you, right? And Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I feel like that's just such a, it's just such a simple and yet really juicy nugget. Right to just think yeah. about not even in. Well, this- do you think that people are often um, afraid to ask? I like, think you know, no man is an island kind of thing. Do you think that people are um, in our culture? They're sort of like, well, I, I just need to be. I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think well, people are. Yeah. Sure. I think. Uh, I think for certain there is a, a level of that, um, like determined stubborn self-sufficiency, which is a total, you know, illusion, um, that we get, you know, very, very attached to. Um, I feel like you meant, you spoke to that a little bit early, early in our conversation about like the type of person that tends to enter into a teacher training is very kind of determined and self-sufficient and high achieving. So I think that's not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also yeah. I think we just don't, we're not really 
culturally, I feel like it is a bit of this every man's an island. We, you know, we don't, I mean, this is the, I don't know, feels like a relevant example, but maybe not. We don't like co-live with our, you know, like multi-generationally, we don't live together anymore. There's not a sense of that kind of reliance on one another. You know, everybody has their job, everybody has their role and everybody else depends on everybody else. I don't, you know, I just culturally, I don't really think that we are, um, nurtured to think about ourselves in this way, in a in relationship to others. Uh, so we don't until we get into a precarious situation or we are having a lot of drama or emotional, you know, setbacks or whatever it might be that's hindering us from moving forward with clarity. Or the other thing, or the other thing. When everything's going really well and yeah. we're on it and we are feeling positive and powerful, you know, um, share that too. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, bring others along, like bring others along. So no matter where, no matter where you are in the process, no matter what hat or role you're playing, you can always be. You can always be the the one that puts your hand out and says, hey, grab my hand, I'll pull you along. Yeah. Or, on the other hand, you can be the one that says, hey, um, can you give me a leg up here? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we're all, we're all in it, in the soup of it all the time. And- yeah. Well, you said something in your note, too, about, and ultimately to remember that nothing is permanent. Right. That, yeah, that it's because all no matter what, right, because because we're constantly shifting, we're constantly shifting where we are in our development, mm-hmm. and even if something looks really horrible and unmanageable, and you have to, you know, the people that find themselves in a tickle, mm. <laughs> and they have to go on hold or drop out, or you know, it's, it's very discouraging and and can be. You can feel um, really badly about yourself, like, oh, I, I made this commitment, and now I, I need to back down for a while. But but we never know. You know, it's like you, you turn around and something shows up. And I don't mean to sound all Pollyanna or whatever, but I guess what I'm saying is that that thing that just looms so horribly in front of you right now we have to constantly remember the highs and the lows are always there. And we tend to, of course, want to grasp onto and hold on to the, the highs. And we, and we desperately want to avoid the lows. Yeah. And we somehow think that the lows mean something more powerful about us in a negative way than the highs do we just we're just glad for the highs but the truth is that it just keeps changing and we're always i say this all the time we're all of us always only somewhere on a line of continuum and it adds and it flows and we make commitments and we fall off and we wake up the next day and we renew you know so yeah, that's what I meant by the impermanence thing. We don't have to um, put so much solidity around what we might call a breakdown. Yeah, 
Well, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to identify with that moment as being who we are, which I think is what so often happens. And then it becomes very difficult to shake loose that identity, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. also, you know, these the ebb and flow, the breakdown, the breakthrough, impermanence. You know, I just had... Um, I just had uh, coffee with a friend, a client, longtime client, um, and Buddhist, um, and he said something. We were talking about our practices, and you know, we're always kind of like comparing notes, like how's your sitting practice going, and you know, what what are you up to? Yeah. And um, he he just he's very pragmatic. He's an entrepreneur, and um, so he's always got a very interesting perspective. And he said, well, I asked him how his practice was going. He said, well, you know, I've always really been very, um, I've really always um, loved practices, right, in general, like applying practices of how to do business and how to live my life. He said, but what I do is I, I create a practice for myself and then I learn to live in the practice. And I thought, you know, it's, I thought that was so, that was such a sweet way of putting it. It's like, we make a commitment. Uh, our commitment is to do this, you know, teacher training program. And our commitment is to show up twice a week to do our own self-practice and twice a week to do our whatever. And, and then we expect perfection. We don't actually expect practice. We expect perfection. Uh, you know, and it's this whole different, we don't get it. Like we don't get it. We yeah. think that if we set a practice or we set a commitment, it means that we have to be perfect. And his whole, uh, this, just this way of looking at it, it's like learn to live in the practice, set the practice and then let it be a practice. Learn to live in the practice. And I just thought, wow, that's so, I mean, that felt so meaningful to me. It's like, yes, self-compassion. It's like, uh, my practice is, you know, 30 minutes of sitting every day. And if I do it four days a week, like, yes, good, go me. Like, that feels like I'm pretty well steeped in my practice. I'm, it's not perfect, but that's not what I'm expecting, right? I'm expecting, I'm expecting just a commitment to be. Well, it's like you're making aspirations. And sometimes you, sometimes you fall a little short. Yeah. But you don't give up. Yeah. No. Right. Diligence and and perseverance yeah. and and just coming back to it again and again. And coming back to it again and again. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And then, you know, to, if we're going to sum it up <laughs> in a minute, uh -huh. it occurs to me that as a teacher, again, we, we need to hone our craft. Um, like you said, or the perpetual student, we need to keep learning, not just to keep it fresh, but to um, be confident and available to meet a wide variety of people who are going to come through our practice. But um, there's going to be different times when we actually are drawn to study a certain aspect, you know, and then other times depending on who shows up, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. you need to learn more about working with athletes, high-end bodies. Sometimes you need to learn what it is to work with more elderly people. I mean, it's okay. 
you just you do your little continuing ed, you know, depending on depending on what the call is in the moment. Mm. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I think we were trying to get out there and invite people to to come and talk to us about was this other piece, which I don't want to, I don't want to forget about, which is just the, the piece about what's it like to be somebody, you know, two months done, a year done, five years done, 10 years done. I think, I don't know, I just, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Who are we at the different stages of our life? So I hope that people will come forward and, um, and be able to share some of those experiences with us. Yeah, and I think we should make this an ongoing, um, an ongoing call to teachers yeah. to, to yeah. you know, share their stories. So if you're listening to this and you feel like, oh, this podcast was posted, you know, months and months ago or a year ago, um, don't hesitate to reach out to us and, um, you know, let us know. We do want to know. And as we were talking about earlier. Um, it's the exchange of, of um, experiences and, and stories that really lend so mm-hmm. much insight to all of us and helps us relate and feel like we're not. Yeah, like if you were to throw it out there, like what does, what does the, when you say like first thought, best thought, what is, what is a mentor to you? What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. And who would you be if you were being a mentor to somebody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we invite you to um, step forward and contribute. And um, you can email us at thinkingpilatespodcast at gmail.com. In our next podcast, um, it, I'll be sitting down with a teacher who's going to actually talk to us about um, her experience. And um, yeah. that'll be great. And then we'll just go from yeah. there. We'll just go from there and yeah. we'll see what arises. And Thanks again, Deborah, for being so Oh, you're so welcome. You never, we never know where these are going to go. I know. It's I always know. fun. It's always really fun. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. thanks, everybody, for listening. And, um, yeah, get in touch with us. We we want to hear from you. You may not we think do. that we do, but we really do. We, we really, really do. Okay. Yeah. Take care, everybody. All the things that make you sing and tap your little toes. Oh